Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am super psyched to go north of the border for this episode. We have Canadian Tamara Lindemann on the show. For this episode, I was really happy to have the chance to chat with her. If you're here for the first time to listen to me talk with Tamara, welcome to Roadcase. If you're a regular listener, welcome back, and I'm so glad you're along for this ride, and I really appreciate your support, and I'm happy you're on board for this one. There's a number of different ways you can get involved with the Roadcase community. Uh, first and foremost, you can follow us on the socials. really helps out the show quite a bit. Our handle is at RoadcasePod is where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can also uh, find out more information about Roadcase on our website. We're at www.roadcasepod.com. You can also get involved in, with Roadcase by sending us an email. Our email is info at roadcasepod.com. Com. You can send questions, concerns, comments, uh, just about anything, and uh, we'll get back to you on that. Um, another great way to support Roadcase is to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, that little box that says follow, just hit that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, another popular one, there's a check mark in the upper right-hand corner. You click that, and by doing so on both those platforms and others, you will get updates as to when new episodes come live. Another great way to help out Roadcase and to support this podcast is to rate and review us on the streaming platform. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, uh, see those stars, you scroll down a little bit, those stars there, you hit a bunch of those and you can write a review as well, really helps out the show. So we're going north of the border for this episode. We're talking to Tamara Lindemann of The Weather Station. Tamara is just an amazing and super talented human, artist, musician, performer, lyricist, poet, and actor. The Weather Station's most recent release in March of this year is entitled, How Is It That I Should Look at the Stars? Uh, just an amazingly spare and beautiful album. Tamara sings and plays keyboards on that album. Super quiet and melancholy. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And of course, uh, the Weather Station album, Ignorance from early 2021, was just a massive effort. Highly critically acclaimed, just with gorgeous rhythms and textured sounds. Uh, Tamara's really active uh, with her awareness of environmental issues and has, speaks quite a bit to that on the album Ignorance as well. And she also walks the walk in, in what she does with, with touring and just her hyper awareness and trying to just talk to audiences about uh, environmental issues and just being really in touch with those. She's an incredible, she's incredibly literary in her writing, if that's even really a thing. She just is... Um, Super deliberate, but flowing and poetic at the same time. Uh, there just seems to always be an intention with everything that Tamara does, and that is a beautiful quality. We had a really great conversation. I'm really psyched that you're here uh, for this one. And I want to send a special thank you to Tamara Lindemann 
of the Weather Station for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Okay, Tamara, good to see you. So thank you so much for being here on Roadcase. I am so psyched to have you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you're in, where are you? I guess you're in, you're in Canada? I'm in Toronto. Some, somewhere, Toronto, yeah, somewhere north of yeah. the border for us. We're down here in the south, and it's not even that, that warm either. So mm. I, have, I have a friend I talk to all the time in Toronto, and, you know, this is like the only person I can commiserate with. <laughs> it's got <laughs> worse weather than I have down here. But Yeah. Um, well, I am so, I'm so impressed with just your, your work in general and just, it's so beautiful emotionally and you're just an amazing poet and prose writer as well. Like, and I was saying how the lyrics are on the website, which is not necessarily an extraordinary thing, but that you're so incredibly um, proud, not only of the content, but open about just putting it out there. And, um, and it's not just like it's, listed as song lyrics it's just i was reading it and i i wasn't even sort of recalling the melodies of the song and just reading it as a poetic um of a statement of writing and um it's it's oh, so incredibly you. personal has that um it seems that that's been the case for you all along how is that sort of come about for you as a as a, as a creative to just put yourself out there in in, in such an open and honest fashion like in terms of lyrics, just yeah. to, how does it, how do I write lyrics? Yeah, just in, from a, from a, from an expressive standpoint. Hmm. I mean, I, I think a lot about lyrics. It's definitely one of my favorite topics to think about and to talk about. And um, I've actually done a couple of years now, like mentoring songwriters mm -hmm. and, and working on lyrics. And I just find them so interesting because they're so simple, you know, like to write a song, it has to be small you know, there's not a lot of words in a song. Yeah. Uh, but it's really powerful of when you put words with music, when there's mm. just those few lines, you know, really most songs are just a few sentences. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and yet it's so interesting of like which sentences, which, which pieces do you want to present? And yeah. um, I think when I, what led me to music was a personal loss in my life that occurred and, and something mm. That was very unimaginable. I'm and, sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Was um, it like a loss of someone that passed away or a lot personal? Yeah, someone that passed away. And um, I was really young and it was a really intense experience. I was 19. Mm. And I just had nowhere to put those feelings. And, and mm. at the time, I was a music fan and I loved music and I loved going to shows and I just... The day, you know, I just remember having this lightning bolt hit my mind where I was like, the only thing I can do with this feeling is to make music about it. You know, hmm. like that that is my destiny. Like, I'm going to somehow figure out how to make music. Like, I'd never thought of being a musician before. Like, so that was pretty wild. And I, yeah, so I guess lyrics, I mean, the lyrics on that record weren't my best. You know, they were... <laughs> fairly young and but you know i think i think what was set in motion right away um with my very first experience making music was this idea that music existed as a place where i could put things that i i didn't know how to say any other way right so hmm. that was the place for the unsayable emotions of yeah experiencing experiencing grief at a young age and um 
So that's sort of continued. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think what a through line too that I feel is like, I always love a lyric when I feel like it's something I've never, something that I know other people experience. And it's just like something real that I've experienced, but I just haven't heard it in a song yet. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I have one of those, I'm just like, ah, that's gotta be a song. Yeah. Well, there's so much to unpack there, but I'm, I'm particularly interested in why or how you made the jump to, okay, I've written this thing. I want to put it to music, not having done that before. And, and how did that um, enhance the emotional content of what you wanted to say for you? I mean, I've always written lyrics like to music. I've never written them before the music. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, I mean, from day one, like my very first record I made on a computer, like it was like a, computer collage record and so Mm. it was just sort of like i'd be playing this music and singing over top and being like well i guess that's lyrics (laughs) you know and then i like learned to write songs in a more normal way yeah it becomes less like Um, it's not a poem it's it's those are yeah yeah i guess i said that because i thought you said i was a really big music fan and then i had this emotional event and i started to write about it so it was that sort of crossover at that very moment well it's funny because what what i first did actually in response was a lot of instrumental music because mm. I didn't know how to have words in there that that worked, and that was that was the hardest part, right? Like words are the yeah, hardest yeah, part, yeah, yeah. Because the instrumental of the music, you just know what you're conveying. It's so much easier in a way. Um, yeah. But yeah, after I made that record, my next move was a record that was super pared back and really, really acoustic, and and that was where I really honed in on lyrics as like my thing that mm-hmm. I was interested in and that I was doing yeah and that that record the second record was like just yeah very bare like just the lyrics that's all you get (laughs) yeah that's very beautiful it's very beautiful very folky Mm -hmm. and rootsy clearly Mm -hmm. those that sort of or your origin your musical origin seems to be i mean apart from the the computerized stuff that you did initially let's mess around on the computer but once you really got down to it it was really folky and beautiful. And I, I love that. I, I personally love the progression that you've gone through to today. And we'll, of course, talk about the the latest, the, the last couple of albums, at least for sure. Um, what was interesting you said about lyrics was um, how it can be really difficult to fit everything you want to say into a song. So you've got to kind of compact it down. And, and, I, and I love that. How do you think about words um, to, to do that, to, you know, sort of the put together, um, a beautiful essence of something without using so many words. It's like almost like doing a crossword puzzle of lyrics. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I'm a very wordy writer. Like I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, it's easy to be, cal- it's easier I wish, to be I wordy. Wish I was like, I wish, you know, like that's something I'm kind of honing now is like, yeah. a sen- you know, like a line that's like more powerful. Like I think I'm a bit unwieldy still in the way that I write, mm-hmm. the way that I write. But I think that, it's definitely something I think about a lot and kind of the agonizing part of writing songs for me is like cutting down all of, cause I tend to write way oh, too totally, much. And then totally. it's like tearing down. Like I remember Robert, like I was like, I had like a gazillion verses and ways of saying all those things. Yeah. And then I just like, which ones do I choose? Yeah. And I really, I wish that I had a better, um, process for that i'm getting better now <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's it's just railing terrible, on you've gone from like a terrible to experience yeah, yeah you've gone from yeah. like wanting to rail on everybody in that song to like honing it down 
yeah having to yeah. hunt it down yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um i love how in one song and i can't remember the name of it but how you rhymed feeling with peeling it was a song about uh, a, yeah. i forget is that parking yeah, lot yeah, i'm not, not sure park night. yeah okay yeah. yeah i'm like okay because like feeling something feels like you're peeling off layers of yourself among other things mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. that was just that that compactness and trying to to juxtapose certain words to give a feeling when you don't have to put on all the prepositions per se really and and all totally. the other wordiness around it does that get in your way is that sort of frustrating because i know you've tried to tackle environmental issues among other things mm -hmm. especially on ignorance i believe but mm -hmm. um is that so th that's got to be particularly challenging when you're trying to deal with um you know such a big item such as environmental issues and 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 other kind of political and social issues that that, that we're all faced with today well i think yeah and i mean this is something I've really learned myself and then seen play out with, with, like I say, the mentorship I do where it's just like, no matter what you have to find like one tiny thread, you can't, mm. you can't say it all. Like you have to find your way in. And that's where yeah. that's, you know, the hardest part and, and why I think a lot of songs don't begin with, I want to write a song about X, Y, Z, you know, they more uh -huh. start with like a first line and you're like, huh, what does that mean? Oh, I think this is about that. That's that's sort of my experience, but definitely with like with ignorance, where and 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 the other record, how is it that she look at the stars? Like, you know, climate is in there, but if I had tried to write about climate change, it would not have <laughs> like it would not have worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, because yeah. I just was writing my own feelings at the time, and climate was like showing up in them, mm, I was like, oh, that's that's what's happening. And it's like if I'd been like, I'm gonna write a song about like. Exxon and capitalism yeah. and the world today. I could not have done that. It's kind of like you're, you're writing about the effect, not the cause. Yeah, yeah, say. yeah. Like, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, often yeah. too, like you have a line, like it's just like, you know, like I never believed in the robber. That was like basically a line. And I was like, that is big. Like that is important. I can, I can pull on that thread. And, and if, but if I hadn't had that line, I like that song would never it would have been a different song. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I started this out by you before we started this saying that, okay, this is a podcast about live performance and performers mm -hmm. and such. And then I, said, I usually don't talk a ton about lyrics, but that that's just like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's no, what you yeah. do. So here we are, lyrics, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we can talk about shows. Too, yeah, too. no, sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, uh, and how... So you went you went from this 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 folk development uh, early on, mm -hmm. which I find I find super interesting. Um, is it somehow was it somehow easier to express yourself, or or, or tell talk to me about how it was different to express yourself in in that folk environment and with that folk vibe than um, the the broader um, more expansive uh, direction that you've gone in, like with ignorance. I mean, it's interesting because I've always I have always loved folk folk music like that was a big part of another part of my development as a musician like mm -hmm. when I was 19 I was into like bluegrass and I was also into indie rock like I you know I was listening to like math rock and bluegrass at the same time you know <laughs> so I could I could go back and forth and I can relate and, I can relate and relate and like you know country country music and old time really um lyrically was a big teacher for me mm. and um in I think in terms of like vocal performance i think that music has been really important to me of understanding like emotion and delivery and all of that um but yeah when i made all of it was mine so like my my folky my first folky record mm -hmm. 
what uh, what the irony is that I had actually gone to a studio and tried to make a big expansive record with that with those songs like I mm. had like a horn arrangement on one that like a friend had made like it was very like orchestral mm-hmm. you know like I and I think it's like hilarious because I was kind of trying to make like a ignorance style record but mm. I didn't have enough experience like so my my first record I'd made entirely by myself and then I was trying to go into a studio with musicians but I didn't have any language i didn't know how to make decisions i didn't know what a producer was like i didn't know how to be one <laughs> i just didn't know anything <laughs> and i could do it if i was completely alone but not if not i couldn't direct other people so the record was just kind of going nowhere and then my friend dan romano who i didn't know at the time um basically was like let me make your record and was just so insistent that i was like okay <laughs> and and he was the one who was like, it's got to be just what it is, which, of course, like listening to the songs, like, how could I have imagined they would be anything different? <laughs> yeah. But he, he really pointed me in that direction. And, and he was right. And when I just sang them alone, you know, or with him on two acoustic guitars, like it's very beautiful. And that's what they were meant to be. And, and yeah. it was just funny that someone else had to come along and just tell you show to be me you. that. Just tell. Yeah. But uh-huh. um. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was kind of like a beginning, like starting at the beginning, you know, like, like, and I think that record and the time following, I mean, a lot of it was, how do I play a show? How can I perform in front of people? You know, I couldn't bring like my loops and my strange sounds to the stage. Like, so I had to pare down, like, what is the most essential thing? And can Mm. I write a song that's good enough to play if it's just me, you know, playing on acoustic guitar? Yeah, interesting. So then for many years after that, I mean, I played solo um, on an acoustic guitar that didn't have a pickup. So I was just like the quietest possible musician. Like you didn't even mic it? No, I would mic it. But yeah. like you can't you can't put a mic on a, on a, on a parlor size acoustic guitar and have it be very loud, like True. played without a pick, you know, like oh, it's yeah. just like finger style acoustic guitar. Yeah. You can't get the mic, mic close enough without hitting it. You, you, no, you, you, your just, hand would just, hit it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So I... I played a lot of shows like that and it was actually really um, I think it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Cause I, I had all I had was like my presence (laughs) and, and I didn't even have like volume or like there was nothing. So I just was like, you know, and I had a lot of stage fright and anxiety and, Mm. you know, having to, having to figure out how to deal with like a chatty crowd. If you're like opening for someone when like you literally can't make any sound, you know? So but it was a really interesting experience because I think I learned how to be authentic to what was occurring in my mind on stage. And, and I realized that that was like the number one thing is like, if I was tired, I had to play the songs from a tired place. You know, like if I was excited, mm. I had to play them from an excited place. If I was angry, that had to come into to the performance too, you know? So yeah, that's I had to learn, you know, on a good night to be just like extremely expressive of like what i felt in the moment yeah that's a really cool jump that you make from having this anxiety and stage fright to then sort of accepting that you can go out there and be the person that you feel in the moment which is maybe the a little bit of a basis of stage fright and anxiety that oh no i need to be a certain way instead of just like you know even when i'm doing this if i'm feeling a certain way it's like how do i how do i come to this interview 
I need to be like a certain to no. Well, I mean, you can't stop things that are happening in your life from occurring. Right. So, yeah. And you just kind of have to have confidence in your core competency to do that. And, and like you've said, you know, you just put on the clothes that fit at the moment. Right. And I think you said something analogous to that in in one of the lyrics now that uh, it's kind of coming back to me, Mm -hmm. but, um, Mm -hmm. the coat with mirrors, um, (laughs) uh, which is a whole different, it would be a, I could make a different analysis about that, right? Like reflecting back on everybody else, their, yeah. their, their own stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, talk to me a little bit about that sort of jump and getting out in front of people and being able, what, what impact did it have when you realized that you were able to just be the person that you wanted to be in any moment and still sing those songs that, that, that have an impact without any kind of expectation of being out there? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, just like you mean, just playing solo, like not having anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thinking about those times when you were doing that. I mean, it's really hard, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's really hard. But like I say, I think it was a really good, um, yeah, just jungle gym to learn learn what it was to play music and try to get through your stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's a real, also, I think when you're playing like that, it's a real, um, test for the song because if the song you know that's the thing that i would really notice was like songs i had as i went along and i wrote more songs you know Mm -hmm. like songs i had that i truly were true you know i could play them anytime any night any night of the week but songs i had that i wasn't sure were true i couldn't play depending on my mood you know Mm, so that was sort of like a really good like litmus test for lyrics and and you know like yeah, it's cool. At that point, I mean, you're almost like a vehicle for your own songs. Yeah. Seems, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it and it's you're just so naked up there and, and with just the guitar. And so it's it's it, it's so interesting from a performance perspective. Um but you've come you've come from a performance background. You're you were um a major T V movie and Disney Channel actor, <laughs> actor, uh, using a different name, Tamara Hope. Is that, that was your, is that your given name or that was a stage name? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how did that, um, so what impact did being a young actor in, in the, in the, uh, TV production or what have you industry, um, have on you as a performer when you were doing that so early on? I mean, I think about that a lot and I feel like I've really been unpacking it lately um, mm-hmm. in my in my life, you know, because I, I started doing that when I was pretty young. So I was like 13 when yeah. I started going to auditions and, and I mostly, I, most of my success was sort of, you know, in my teenage years yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. and then things kind of calmed down in my twenties. Um, you know, I mean, the first thing it gave me was like, a financial basis as a human that allowed me to pursue music in a way that I'm very grateful for. Right. Because most people don't start paying taxes when they're 14, you know, but I, I did. So I had like a bit of a nest egg where I could be like, I don't have to work, you know, and I kept working as an actor for the first many years that I was pursuing music, but Mm -hmm. But it's funny because I really was pursuing music as an escape from acting. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to run away from it. Um, yeah. 
but then I kept doing it because I was like, well, this is nice to not have to yeah, work in a bar. Um, totally. And clearly but, they kept calling you too. Yeah, they kept calling me. But yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because it taught me good things and it taught me bad things. Because mm. I think the thing that I realized when I look back at my acting experience, like I was quite young. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, when you're a teenager, you haven't formed yourself. And I was very shy, you know. So a lot of what I remember from being on set was like just being really scared and just kind of frozen. <laughs> and obviously I wasn't too frozen because I could still do the job and like deliver the lines. But like I was, I don't remember feeling very free. Well, you were a youngster and, too. I mean, and, totally yeah, like developing as a human. Yeah. And, and like, you don't, you know, when you're acting, like you're so much a tool of the production, you know, like it's like, mm. stand here, look this way, like say this, say this right, faster, right. you know, and you don't have much like leeway. So I think for me, more what it did was like the moment I stepped onto stage with like my own music, I felt so excited because I was like, this is mine. Like I'm, I'm expressing myself instead of kind of using my, myself to express someone else's story. Right. Right. And vision. So that was big. I think, I think it definitely taught me a certain amount of skill at like, just staying in the moment in a situation that's very unnatural. Like when I'm on stage and like the monitors sound crazy and like, I can't hear my drummer, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. know, like film and TV is like that times a hundred. Cause there's like 200 people staring at you and you're pretending that, you know, that everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever it is you're pretending in the scene, but like, yeah, you know, so I guess it taught me that, but I think also I've really had to like break down the walls that it built in me because it, it also taught me like a, a certain amount of reserve and, and caution and, and um, yeah, I think, I think it's on stage. Like I, I'm on a really long journey of learning to be more open and released, you know, like I'm still working on that because it's like, I'm still very shy and, and, but I have nights where I feel a sense of, of release and like, openness that you know i could i could never have felt as an actor yeah well someone that's self-admittedly shy i mean the stage is a tough place to be do you battle with i really want to express myself out in front of people in a live setting but i god damn it i i i'm a shy person or or like what is what goes on in your head with that with that battle or is it a battle at all I mean, I think what's funny about it is like, I feel like I know so many shy people who are so comfortable on stage. Like I, and Uh I'm one of them where it's like, cool. it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a place where you know what you have to do, you know, like, it's like, Mm. I have to sing the song and, Mm. and I think the music carries you, right? Like the music, the music breaks down your barriers. Yeah, It it sets you, you know, like, well, you love the music naturally makes you want to move and it makes you want to like, and I, you know, with what I'm doing now, I mean, my band is so amazing. So they just sort of make me excited when I see them play. And yeah, totally. It's, so it's... I, I feel, I feel very good. Most nights I feel best when I don't know anyone in the audience and I'm in a, like a totally far away city, you know, like from playing like Oslo or something like that's really fun. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, no one knows me and I can really put on a show 
always the scariest show from a shyness perspective is like the hometown show where you have in your head everyone that's watching and what they're thinking. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's less about, so it sounds like you don't even really think that there's, you don't, it doesn't really get into your head that there's a bunch of people watching you. You're just kind of getting up on stage and digging the music that your band's playing and what you're doing, focusing on why you're in this more than putting on a level of performance for those that are anticipating something. Oh, I mean, I would say, I would say it's both. I just mean Uh that like, it's a good safety when you're getting too self-conscious, it's good to focus on your, on like to turn away from the band or from the audience. And I mean, I really love the show right now because I I often just like, I'm, I'm not playing guitar all the time. So Mm. I just have the mic and I just sometimes like turn away from the audience for a little while. And like, it's nice to, um, but yeah, of course you get, yeah, you you get you fall into traps of self-consciousness of being watched and and the music is the escape from that right right clearly you grew up in a family that was supportive from a from a creative standpoint you were a child actor um mm-hmm. how how much did that how how much did their support mean to you and and how did that sort of family dynamic of being in a child actor uh, affect you as a, as a human <laughs> You know, I mean, I think my family was really great. I mean, I think because I grew up in the country Mm -hmm. and we didn't know other actors, you know, like we weren't like a stage family or something like no one in my family had ever done anything like that. So, Uh you know, my mom, I think, did a really great job of keeping it calm. And, you know, it like I would come home from filming something in, you know, whatever Europe and then. I would still be going to my shitty rural high school. So like there was no, like there was no way to escape um, that. Um, right. So if you weren't from a family that was familiar with that industry, how did you get into it? And what, what was that initial thing that occurred that you got it, got you into it? Um, did you pursue so it or did it come to you? It's so random, but I, I had gotten involved with, there was a community theater that opened up in a, in a town near us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were really, they were really great about like engaging youth. That was like a part of their mandate. So mm. they had a children's choir that they ran and I joined the children's choir. Um, Cause I always sang. So yeah. I was in the theater children's choir and we actually um, auditioned for and beat out like hundreds of other choirs to be, acquire in the Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat show mm-hmm. in Toronto. So you Which, know like that was Osmond really was pro- was with Donny Osmond with with him. He's in it. And, it was yeah, we actually uh-huh. did his last show. His last wow. show was Joseph. What was that like? It was fun. I mean, I was 11, right? So right. so that was really my first experience on stage and yeah. and with the whole thing. So obviously, I just loved it. It was like I didn't have to go to school. Like Yeah, right. I was yeah. getting I on loved a bus it. with I didn't all have to my go best to friends like <laughs> singing, you know, like yeah. literally like we would sing we would just sing show tunes like back and forth on the bus like going down <laughs> downtown to sing this show and then come back up to where we all live so oh. that was a really formative experience and and a couple of the kids in the choir because of that experience and being on stage they they pursued acting yeah. so i kind of was like oh that's possible so that was why i pursued it and i mm. just didn't want to go to school basically <laughs> so i was just trying to escape um school and then i got into acting and then i needed to escape acting by getting into music so was it cool working with donny osmond though i'm just curious 
Well, we didn't really know him. Like, was he there? There's this like, there's like, he was, he was starring in it and producing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, but it's like the children's choir is like 50 children. So they don't let you, they don't yeah, let right, you out. Fraternize they, with the, they with kept the us in like a pen, you know, like we were literally like <laughs> kept aside and uh, yeah. Let the kids all play. That's a whole other and... thread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, and in uh, 2008, you, you was your first EP East. Um, what was it like? What was it like for you leading up to that? And um, what were the um, sort of kind of the, the original impetus for you that I'm going to be a recording artist? I'm going to record this. I'm going to start my career. I'm going to put this out there. And um, what was your thought process at the time when you first started out? in the music business. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I said, like, so 2004 was when, was when this experience happened and mm. I started, I started recording and making music mm. and, you so know, you've been doing it quite a, a while before it kind of got yeah. off the, got off the ground. It was a very kind of long, realizable fashion. Yeah. Like I literally didn't <clears throat> know any musicians. I didn't know, anything like i didn't know how to hold a microphone i didn't know what an xlr cable was like i learned everything literally from the internet like mm -hmm. and somewhere along the way i started playing open mics with mm -hmm. like the two songs i could play on guitar which was not much yeah. and i learned banjo so i started playing banjo in in other people's bands oh, and singing yeah and and then i just slowly yeah slowly got into the music community and it was never like oh, this is my career. Like I'm going to start a career, but I was just, hmm. I just wanted to be in the community and, and play music and express myself. So yeah. And then, yeah, that first EP, like I, I'm pretty sure I like, it might've even been like a CDR, like it might've even been burned. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just had a piece of paper from like, I went to Kinko's and printed like a cover that I like folded and <laughs> put the CD inside. And that right. was my first CD. And then, and then the line was like the full length, um, 2009. So yeah, it took me a long time of mm. really just yeah. scraping by and figuring it out. Um, yeah, it's been a sure. very long journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's amazing. And I mean, where you ended up now is just, it's, is, is extraordinary. And, um, um, so banjo though, that was kind of the bluegrass angle. I love, I love bluegrass. I love kind of the, the jam band, the jam grass stuff like green sky, bluegrass, infamous string dusters, yonder mountain. Um, were yeah. you more to the traditional side or where, 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 where are you on that spectrum? Yeah. Well, I, that's another funny story of my life. I, I think the reason why I wanted to play banjo was I was at a party and I saw a girl play, um, actually claw hammer banjo. Um, frailing like old time banjo mm -hmm. and and the way that that music is played like there's something so mysterious about the way the melodies fall in the in the rhythms and yeah. how it look and and i was just really entranced by this experience of watching her and i was like i want to play that instrument so i went and rented a banjo from the local music store and you know looked up like banjo teacher in toronto and wound up going to a scrug style um, finger style, like bluegrass banjo player for mm. lessons. So I learned bluegrass banjo for like a year before I realized, before I even knew that claw hammer banjo existed. <laughs> so what I really was interested in was, was old time and was sort of like old balladry. And like, you know, I, I do really like some of the older bluegrass, 
you know, uh, I really love the Stanley brothers. Like if, you know, I feel like they're kind of in between, um, old time and bluegrass and, but yeah, I, I learned Scruggs style banjo and then, and then learned Clawhammer after that, which mm-hmm. actually was more what I was interested in. Yeah. Um, but I love the, I, you know, I think, I think banjo people often, um, are drawn to banjo for the sort of virtuosity. Um, and, and I've never had the chops, like I'm more drawn <laughs> to sort of like the poignancy of the instrument. The sound and the style and what it evokes. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's very emotional to me, that instrument. Yeah. Plus you save yourself a lot of time by not become practicing too much as much you do that you would yeah. need to, to become a I'm virtuoso not, yeah. in the band. I never would want to be one of the bluegrass people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never want to want to be yeah. the one of the bluegrass people. That's my pull quote for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I, I have respect for it, I'm, but it's I'm, just it's not what I'm here to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um I've heard you talk about the so many comparisons for, with you and Joni Mitchell and how that can mm-hmm. be controversial for not, not controversial. I mean, it's clearly a compliment, but um, oh, yeah. talk to me a little bit about what that means to you, but also kind of a little bit of the pitfalls from a personal standpoint. It's funny. Yeah. I just, I have such a complicated relationship with Joni <sighs> and, yeah. and I do really love her, you know, but I think, I think what was so confusing in the beginning was like, and I know this sounds made up, but I just really hadn't listened to Joni Mitchell. Like I, I didn't really get her and, and uh-huh. I actually kind of disliked her music when I first heard it. I, was like, I don't like this. Like, I didn't like how the melodies jumped around so much and she was just singing around. But then it's like, when I listened to my own music, like I was doing the same thing. Right. And I think it's like that thing where you like see yourself in the mirror and you're like, I don't like, you know, like, yeah, right. <laughs> like I think that what's funny about it is I wasn't, Im- I think what I disliked was people kind of felt like I was imitating her and I was like, I'm really trying not to, mm. but I just can't help. There must be something, you know, but it's like, it's funny. Like our birthdays are a couple of days apart. Yeah. We're both from Canada. Uh-huh. We both had pilots as fathers. Like there's a lot of oh, weird wow. parallels and, and I, I definitely, I can see in her just something that I recognize. And I think I understand why. I accidentally keep like following in her footsteps, but also she did a lot of things. So you can't really escape, you know, until I make like a grunge record, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. or like a metal she, record. Like you know, it's like she everyone's going to find she something. Made, yeah, 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 because she's so broad based. It speaks to her yeah, amazing influence so, off her so many different genres and styles, and yeah, yeah, and she touches yeah. so many people. You can't get away from it. Um, okay. I heard you talk about how. <clears throat> trying not to be too influenced by certain music and that's so to to kind of avoid listening to certain things so that you're not necessarily influenced by it um totally. is that something that you consciously do with her um no i can listen to joni now like i've yeah. i've gone and listened to um her records and yeah i think so- sometimes when i'm making a record like when i'm actively making a record like sometimes i'm kind of a little careful of like oh it feels like i'm getting too pulled by this one piece, but sometimes, you know, there's a record you're listening to a lot for inspiration. So Mm. yeah, it just depends. Um, it just depends. How do you separate that in your mind to listen to something for inspiration, but not then be entirely influenced by it and end up, um, mimicking it in some way, or is that not a bad, is that not a bad thing? I guess like what I feel is like, sometimes there's records where it's like the spirit of it informs you Mm. more than, something specifically that's occurring you know like i think that like 
you know, some of the sparks for ignorance were like records that sound nothing like it, but just mm. had that that spark that there was something about the spirit of the record that emotionally would pull me um yeah. in an inspirational direction. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, it's kind of like the overall, the bigger vibe of the whole thing. Yeah. Like what they were trying to accomplish can be in inspiring. Yeah, I think yeah. I think like records kind of have, you know, spirits for lack of a better word. They kind of right. have like emotional um an emotional vibe and and some records kind of you know it could be in any genre but if it has that spirit it it pulls you i feel that with your stuff actually mm -hmm. you know this mm -hmm. each record kind of has its separate vibe you know yes yeah for sure i really enjoyed the mm -hmm. the the, the self-titled was just i i love I, I just i love that that lane of rock um i mean I, I, yeah. but i can't separate it from where you came from to get to that and where you went it makes it even more interesting yeah. i guess it's just because like fitting that vibe into into everything that you've done so far yeah absolutely interesting absolutely yeah um so the the latest album and i'm how is it that i should look at the stars i wanted to make sure i got that right mm -hmm. <laughs> um just really super beautiful um really spare uh you're you're playing mostly keys and um i kind of got a melancholy vibe from it but that might just be me um, oh it's super melancholy okay, yeah good all right i yeah. just want to project that on there <laughs> yeah um it's really beautiful and i i it's it's it was designed to be a companion piece to ignorance mm -hmm. um how how is that i guess I, I I read. How does that make sense? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It totally. It it does make sense. Um, and I've you were saying that those are songs that you just wrote for yourself, but did not necessarily intend to um, to release them or to even well, or the lyrics or to release it in in an in album form. Mm hmm. Can, yeah, I mean, like the winter that I wrote, ignorance was just like a really good songwriting winter i was just like in it in the mode and i was writing almost every day you're a winter writer was, yeah yeah i am not the first person it's, that i've heard that the from time, <laughs> yeah the time things happen there's nothing else um to do but right yeah i mean that was a really fruitful winter of writing and i was really powered in on the on the keys and and yeah, and I was writing songs like for what I imagined would be this record that I wanted mm -hmm. to make, you know, mm -hmm. and I had a really strong idea of sonically and but then sometimes I would sit down at the piano and like a different song would come out and and some of the songs were just too soft and too pretty and I was like, well, I can't have like 15 ballads on this record. Like <laughs> these songs are for something else, you know, and and mm -hmm. as I was going I, I think too like it was a really potent time in my life as a songwriter where I was just really getting excited about how to write a song so mm -hmm. that's what i mean where it's like a lot of the songs that yeah i called them the ballads for most of their life was just like oh it's another ballad i don't know like another ballad that's not for the record so how did you know it wasn't for the record because it was just the wrong style like musically like just mm. too gentle and too you know like like yeah like the songs on how is it are, are just they're so small and like almost innocent you know like so it's yeah. just like well these aren't for the record and there was like 20 or th like there was a lot more of those songs that kind of uh -huh. came up so yeah i was just like well and at first i was kind of setting them aside i was like well i don't know what to do with these songs so i'm not going to finish them but then i was like no i'll just i'll finish them for myself as a nice little like gift to myself 
Oh, and okay. That's and then had. I think because I had that intention, I really loved some of them. I was like, these are kind of some of my favorite songs that I've written. Mm-hmm. And they're so, you know, like the song, like I woke up thinking of a song, you mm-hmm. know, that I could write. Like that's, that's like a song for me, you know, about yeah. my life. And so I just, yeah, I, I really loved those songs. So the whole idea to record them was just like a weird whim where I was just like, I just want to make, I just want to record them. I don't care what happens. And ignorance hadn't come out yet, you know, like, so I just, I just recorded them for myself once again. And then, and then, yeah, I was really torn about whether to put it out. I was like, I pretty strongly felt like it was the wrong choice from a career (laughs) perspective. (laughs) Because it's just very confusing. And yeah. like people are like, what is this artist? I don't understand what she's doing. But yeah, you know, I was convinced and I also like love them. So I was like, you know, there's something about an album when you press it to vinyl and you know it's out there in the world. There's something really satisfying about that. Totally. Where it's like I always think of somebody buying it at a garage sale, like in the future, you know? Yeah. Like just just going through a stack and being like, what's this? I'll try it out, you know. And somebody twenty years from now might listen to that record. And Jim James I, I talks about writing a song and then someone finding it, like you know, like twenty thousand years later in space, basically. Like you know, it's possible. Remember those possible. old days when we listened to MP3s? They're not the same as the light beams of today's music, you know. And yeah, totally. There's a whole yeah. song, slow, slow tune about that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that so that totally puts into context the songs that you wrote for yourself and were not really necessarily part of that album. And mm-hmm. um, when I listen to this, I I love when the styles change. So dr- not necessarily. I, would, I don't think dramatically. I wanted to say that because it just sounds like what you said, yeah, but somewhat dramatically. I, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Um, change and, and it's all oh, this other this other side, this other perspective of this artist that, that, that comes out. It's and that, 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 that piece is, is, is amazingly compelling for me. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it was interesting that it was so interesting that it was recorded. Like you went into three days in 2020 and those three days were monstrous, like March 10th through March 12th of 2020. You went into the studio without a mask and you came out wearing a mask. Oh, completely. What the fuck? Yeah. No, That's I mean, bananas. like the first day of recording, I literally was not, I was like, why do they keep talking about the, this coronavirus right, this? thing on the what's radio? Wuhan? Like, <laughs> I don't really care. Like we've been through, I mean, yeah. what's funny about it is like, I live in Toronto and I remember like the SARS scare, which was really serious, oh, yeah, but yeah, for nothing sure. really happened. Nothing really came of it in the world. It was yeah, just like, it was tackled, been controlled, I guess. Right? Tackled yeah. and controlled. So it didn't occur to me. It literally did not occur to me. And then the second day it's like, oh, like the NBA shut down, like the prime ministers in isolation were like, right. this, this can't be real. I remember my guitar player, Christine was like, uh, she just was going through a breakup and she was like, man, flights are getting super cheap. I think I'm going to go to Mexico. Like she was like going to go on vacation, <laughs> like right after the, right after recording. She's like, I could book a flight to Mexico like today for like 200 bucks. That's crazy. And yeah. we're like, go enjoy yourself. Yeah, you know, you'll be fine. It, you'll make it back. Yeah, right. but by the by the third day, it was like, oh right. wow, this is really something's yeah, yeah, about yeah. to happen, yeah. and it's <clears throat> did it's that kind very... of show up in the album, like the way it was recorded at all? Or I, I guess I, I remember seeing something where you said, oh, 
the lyrics that you wrote in this thing took on an entirely different meaning now that we're like one day post COVID, you know, like, wow. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, like what I feel when I think of that album is like, you know, it's a really meaningful memory, like that recording process, Mm because that was basically the first time I'd gone in and attempted to like, yeah, record vocals and piano at the same time as every other, like, you know, it was a live recording. So, Mm. you know, when I'm singing, it's like pure focus and I'm playing piano and I'm looking, trying not to fuck up a chord, you know, like it was, I was very into the idea of like committing, like we didn't go to tape, but I just was like, it's got to be one performance. And, you know, we did some subtractive editing and like, you know, maybe there was a song where we like changed one of the moments, but like, it was pretty much commitment. So it was a very intense, intense focus. And did you not feel like if you screwed up a take, you'd just do it? I mean, you, you must've. No, we did it again, but I just mean yeah. like, you want to get the whole song in one thing. So you want everybody to be on their best. Like you want that yeah, one yeah, song yeah, to yeah. be your favorite vocal performance, like your favorite bass performance, your favorite sax performance, yeah. you know, like no that pressure. was no pressure. No pressure, but yeah, of course we would do it again, but yeah, but yeah, just intense focus and, and that band was really special and, and yeah, with the, the second two days, just that the sort of clouds closing in, in the world, it felt very, it felt like we were in a bubble, like in a little dreamland and then everything was about to change like that very, right. I definitely think when I listen to that record, which, you know, I don't like sit and listen to my own records, but I've listened to it. <laughs> I think like this is a it's like a liminal record, you know. It's like a record of liminal space and it's like a dusk. It's like a dusk or dawn record, I think. It's like a moment of like change and and just that like in between and I think what's funny about it is like it's literally recorded in the liminal moment of the beginning of the rest of our lives, you know, in this, yeah, in this, yeah. it's in this extraordinary. And, I've heard there's bands that have yeah. gone in before COVID and there's bands that have like gone, went in the studio during yeah. COVID or almost like it's in like, the end of March. Like, like that was right. Like, right. You bridged it. On baby. The dot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. It was fucked up and like really, yeah, really crazy. Yeah. So you sat on ignorance for quite a while before it was released. If it was recorded before, um, uh, how it, how is it? Yeah. What well, it that? just is like music industry. I mean, like, yeah, it was supposed to come out in October 2020, mm-hmm. um, that record. So actually, like when I made this other record, like that weekend, I was supposed to shoot the video for Robber. And that was like the first thing I canceled, like on the on the 12th, I recalled the director. I was like, I feel like there's we just let's just put it off by a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it got put off for, you know, many months and and ignorance got pushed back to February 2021. And that was a great decision and we were really lucky with the way it worked out um so yeah so it 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 took a long time after it was complete to like prepare this you know plan for releasing in october 2020 and then we got pushed back so that's why it took so long but yeah for sure um yeah and i saw your performance at uh at pitchfork in 2021 that was great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. really neat really neat tons of people that little that that stage under in that little treed area yeah so it was super comfortable super nice. not in the direct sunlight like all yes the other that was ones. great yes that was great it was great so well received and um just amazing great great mm-hmm. fans um you know chicago definitely loves you for sure yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah uh can you talk a little bit about um 
you know, you had mentioned before how acting, and I've heard you talk about how acting is, is, is this different exercise because you have other people telling you what to do, and then you put on the mantle of, of producer of your own albums and, and um, uh, having a band around you that now you're directing. So mm-hmm. how did that experience of people telling you what to do as, a, as an actor uh, inform you to be in that role of band leader? I mean, it's, I'm not great at being a band leader <laughs> um, in that way. Cause I don't, I don't think it's a role term. for like, yeah. Like the one time that it's really come in handy was um, when I made music videos for this record, I was mm. the director and there were moments where I was like, this is the moment where the autocratic director is required. <laughs> I understand now why they have to be really bossy because you just have no time. So you mm. can't explain everything. You just have to be like, stand there, do this, have this expression on your face. I'll explain later. When you see right, it, you'll right, understand right, why right. I'm forcing you to do this really unnatural thing. Yeah. But as a band leader, I find it more um, more an element of massaging and like gentleness of like, how do you... Everyone in the band is amazing. So there's no question of musicality. And that's so lucky, like where I, I don't have to worry. Everyone's on everyone's such better musicians than I am. So they're all on a wavelength and um, I'm really grateful for that. But in terms of like just the show I want to present, it's sometimes, yeah, it's like, it can be an aesthetic battle where I'm pushing back against people's natural instincts because everyone has different taste. Mm. And um, yeah, it can be, it can be a battle of like, how do you, but I think the thing about a band is like, it's, fundamentally about friendship and love so you can't you don't want to be autocratic about it you don't want to be yeah right directorial you have to kind of find a way to lead and be clear and not be passive aggressive but yeah, also I mean, be totally loving and nurturing and, and find ways for people to express themselves because if you don't let musicians express themselves in a band they feel kind of wilted and yeah. Well, it speaks, if yeah. you're asking your band to do certain things to fit your own artistic vision for a particular song, you're also expressing your confidence in your band members as musicians to be able to pull that off. Totally. So it's actually kind of a compliment if you're asking them to do different things that might yeah. be kind of out of their comfort zone, sort of, quote unquote, but that you're confident that they can tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really, um, we've really been on a wonderful journey as a band. And what I like about this band is I keep I'm able to constantly bring new ideas to the table and be like, now execute this. And like, we, we started doing on this last tour, like we, we just needed a change. So we started doing a lot more kind of like jamming, not jamming, but like moments in the set where there's no plan and Mm. we just take it in whatever direction. And we started opening the set by like, just all going on stage and just like all like, basically we make no sound and we, we just breathe on stage and we try to like sort of bring our breathing together. Like we almost like, like audibly into the mic, not audibly into the mic, but just like with each other. Uh And it's, it's really, that's really crazy because the audience doesn't like, they have no idea why, what the fuck is going on, what's happening, but they, it's kind of like everyone just has to go with us. And, and, and we, it forces us to connect to each other before we play anything, which is really cool. Mm. So that's been really exciting. Interesting. How's that worked mm-hmm. out? How's that been received? How long does that go on, actually? Not super long, but uh-huh. it's so far. What's funny about it is like nobody said anything about it. I think because it happens at the beginning of the set. 
I think what they do you mean by nobody? Like they think. come up to you and go, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> like yeah, like nobody, <laughs> nobody's written like a message. Oh, I, yeah, like, like, like you know, nobody's been like, "What was that?" But I think, I actually think it's. I'm not sure. So I'm not sure how it's going, but I think it's. <laughs> I think it's going pretty well. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool way, cool way to start stuff out. What's your rep? What's your um? What's your relationship with touring, being out on the road? Um, how do you manage? Do you like it? What's kind of the impact on you just from a um, being on the road and knowing how to, and just understanding how difficult that is for a performer? Yeah. I mean, I really love touring. I'm a rare musician that I just, I really enjoy it. And it's yeah. sort of like in a way, like where I come alive, like I think just be- being in a new city each night and, and sort of like constantly moving is something that fits m- me. Uh-huh. Um, you like to travel in general. I like to travel. Yeah. yeah that and, helps. And and being with your friends, like going totally. from place to place. And I, I think I also really love touring, but not being a tourist, you know, like you're not, you're not there to see the sites, like you're there to do a job. And yeah. so you experience cities and like kind of through the back door, you know, of like, you're not, you're not seeing the Eiffel Tower. You're seeing like, you know. Jump into a place and like club, be, you know, <laughs> yeah, become part of the flow of a city because you got something yes. to do. A job, it's like business travel versus tourist travel. Yeah. yeah, you might like, oh yeah, there's a cool thing, but you're gonna walk yeah. by it because you got shit to do. Yeah, you got you're busy. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been really confusing to tour in COVID. You know, like there's been oh, yeah, a lot, totally. a lot of emotion and complexity and fi- financial and logistical complexity. Like it's, we've managed to play all of our dates but one so far. Which wow, is that's amazing. And, Why was that one multiple, canceled? <laughs> it was because I had a cold and I lost my voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so that's ironic. But yeah, right. yeah, I mean, we've we've survived so many, you know, just so many near misses and like COVID in the band. And then somehow we're able to like replace the person like at the last second and we can continue on. But it's like, it's almost impossible. And And I think the thing I think about touring right now is like, I just feel like the audience and like people at large don't like have no concept of how hard it is and how expensive it is. You know, like mm. there's this perception of like touring is how artists make money. And it's like tourists is how money, like that's how we lose money <laughs> and or break even, you know, like it's a yeah. very hard financial proposition to do and it's extremely risky. And um, yeah. And, and it's just, it's funny. I just feel like I'm, I've been ever since I started doing it, it's just like every tour is like a new battle. Like you, you get a bit more money and you're like, now we can get a bigger van. And then you're like, now we can't park anywhere. You know, like whatever it is, like you just, you just, it's just, you're just battling on every front to yeah. survive, but somehow it makes you feel alive. Oh, shit works out ultimately. You it know? works out. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a good problem to have if you're touring enough to make enough money to buy a new van. You can fucking find a parking space somewhere. Well, I've never bought a van, but yeah, like rent a van. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. It was yeah. more the concept. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. What, what, are, what are some of the things that have changed for you in terms of touring as you've moved forward and as, as you moved along in the industry? Like, um, and with, in, in just terms of your experience touring, what are some things that, that you've changed personally to make it, uh, make it easier for you to survive and to, to be in that, the headspace that, that you need to be mm, like personal coping strategies, Yeah, it, their personal coping strategies. Yes. That's the words I was looking for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've really had to lay down the law about sleeping, you know, like mm. I've, 
I'm the, the one thing that I'm not suited to touring is like, I need a lot of sleep. Oh, I don't function well I, without I, a lot of sleep. I hear you. <laughs> and um, that is something that tour routings do not take into account. So I've actually had to really like, I've had to kind of force like almost like a corporate policy on like sleeping of just like, just like you need a certain amount of time just to rest. And yeah. sometimes you need to actually like take a day off instead of playing that show because you can't, you know, you can't play the show, get to sleep, wake up, drive to the next city. Like there just isn't enough hours in some days. Are you like an eight hours expected. a day sleep person? Yeah. yeah and so same, I, same. Yeah. I've been trying to really protect that against the many forces that would take it away, you mm. know? Um, so that's been a real thing, but, but, uh, you know, the more I lay down the law, the better, the better it gets. And, um, you know, I think we all as musicians, like food becomes so important because it's all you really totally. have, you know, yeah. it's all you can control. So you just become very thoughtful with how you eat. And, um, yeah, I was just talking to Carl yeah. Denson. I'm like, well, how have you been surviving? You've been on the road for so long. What are your secrets? He's in such great shape. He's 65 mm. years old. He's super fit. Mm. He's like whole foods. Yeah. End of sentence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean like, yeah. whole foods is the concept, dude. No, the place whole foods. I go there. <laughs> it's something where like, and this is something I really struggle with, like in the modern age of touring. Cause you know, like, touring puts you into all of these things that you don't want to do like gassing up a big van you know i just feel really shitty about that every time you know mm, like it feels yeah. wrong yeah. and then yeah like whole foods is the best way to eat through middle america you know where it's like that is the only place you're going to find vegetables and it's worth it for your health but then you're supporting amazon which feels really shitty so mm, yeah <laughs> Okay, I haven't been able to square that circle, but um, it is it is a life. So, do you, do you do you not shop at Whole Foods because of the association? I mean, no. Like we 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 do the touring band thing, and we go to Whole Foods. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially you know, like when we're on the West Coast, you know, like there's other co-ops that have the hot the hot bar, you know. So that's really nice. Like when you can go to the non Whole Foods health food store and everybody yeah. can still get their Which, like. Which for obvious reasons are going by way of the corner coffee shop for right. the other monster thing, you know, yeah. Yeah. company. Yeah. But definitely like, you know, when you're in Omaha, sometimes you're like, thank God this is here. And, mm, you know, mm -hmm, yeah. But it's something that I really, um, I really wish North America would, I wish everybody would just go to Europe and check it out because in Europe, <laughs> gas stations and road stops have amazing healthy food totally. that's really cheap and it's so um it's so great <laughs> and yeah. and the rest of the world has a lot of stuff figured out that we don't yeah we're so um i mean i can't speak for canada but we're all about processed foods and all that garbage and i hate it and it gives me a stomach ache anyway so i don't eat it but yeah that's yeah. hard like at a gas yeah. station what are you gonna buy like another cliff bar i mean yeah <laughs> holy no shit. it's and those are, those yeah. aren't even that great for you you know yeah. Yeah. And when you don't have time to find a restaurant and sit down, which is 90% of the time, you know, like you just sort of trying to get from A to B, you know, like right. I think that tour is like, it's a battle on six fronts. Like you're like trying to keep the show alive and trying to keep the music alive, but then you're also trying to make sure you get enough sleep, but then you're also trying to like make sure you eat well yeah, and try to go for a walk and try to beat the clock and <sighs> try to, you know, like there's just nothing like, any day on tour, like you're going to lose the battle on some front. 
but you're always trying to keep it all and then morale and like, you know, hoping that everyone's in a good place and, and you're not doing, you're not, you're not working too hard. And, you know, it's just, but I think that I've been lucky when I think of the last couple of tours where we've really, we've really managed to like do really well on all those fronts, like pretty much throughout. Yeah. Well, you seem like you're, you'd be a good person to be in a band with, you know, you're emotionally available and, 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 uh, and willing to talk about those kind of things or seemingly. Okay. I mean, so there's so many mental health issues that can come up when you're on tour with the band and you know, who's, mm -hmm. is, is anybody struggling or, 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 or what have you? Those are things that, that I hear quite a bit from touring professionals that it can be, it can be tough out there. But if you, um, you know, you, you have the things that you, you know, you need, um, uh, in terms of like trying to get as much sleep and not do that drive overnight, for example, if that's the mm -hmm. case, like how has, um, changing the routing, uh, or routing, um, uh, of, uh, you know, of your tour, has that been a challenge for the powers that be tour managers, management, et cetera, that wants you to play more shows? I mean, what impact has that had on the touring life of the band in general? Well, it's just hard. It's like everything. It's just a battle. Like, and then, yeah, there's the battle pre-tour of the budget, right? Where you're like, well, like, uh, like how, are we, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, for if sure, you could just do like, all these shows in five days, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, the yeah, the sleep thing is like a new thing that I've been putting forth, and you know, it, I wasn't able, you know, as part because like there were some moments on the last couple tours that didn't work for us in that way, and so I had mm. to be like, all right, we're changing some things. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just always hard until you're at a certain level, but then it's hard in a different way, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that it's, you know, like one thing I've been trying to do is avoiding flying as much as possible. Right. And that's something that is really hard to do when you get festival offers and, you know, um, are you playing so much as in Europe as you do? Yeah. I mean, obviously you can't avoid flying to Europe, but you can avoid flying within Europe and you can avoid flying within North America. Right? And so why do you like want to avoid flying? Well, I'm just trying to avoid it as much as possible for climate like i don't yeah. want to unnecessarily fly like a lot of bands will get to a certain point and just like start flying you know flying to new york and then playing shows you know like we're still you know we're driving to austin we're driving you know like i mean you're still driving right yeah but driving is a lot worse a, a lot better than five people five people flying is way worse than five people driving in one vehicle mm -hmm. so yeah but i can't win that battle either i'm just trying yeah, all you can do is try and have an impact. And you've the um, you know, the state the state of the environment and global warming has been something that you have talked about quite a bit, and even influenced mm -hmm. a great number of your songs. Um, how do you incorporate that? And what's what is what's what is your um, what's your view? I mean, climate uh, global warming is bad. Clearly, what what have you? What do you do personally to make that part of your overall vision? I mean, I've been trying to talk about it on stage. I don't mm. know if I'm being effective yet, but I'm finding ways into it. And, you know, I think that the problem with where the climate crisis is, is like, you know, these little personal changes that we've been told are the solution are no longer adequate. Viable, even like, maybe in certain. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make a dent on what actually needs to happen. And I think that's the problem. Or it's just like without political will, you know, yeah. like 
we're not so going like, to be okay. What so, can we you know, really do sort of thing? Yeah. But I, but I'm not arguing against individual changes, you know, like I do, um, you know, try to like my riders, like we really don't want water bottles, like just <laughs> no water bottles when they still give them to us. Like we're like, that's how the water comes to the venue. You know, we don't know. Like, it's like, there's a tap, just like make sure there's a tap in our green room and we will fill, oh, we'll our fill them with your own bottles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like, it's just funny where it's just like these little things that like are so insignificant still are so hard, but you know, I, I, I think the, the problem with climate is like, you know, until I can rent an electric van instead of a diesel one, you know, mm. I can't, I either have to not do it or accept that I'm burning gas to do it. But burning gas to do it makes me so angry that hopefully it fills me with some fuel to well are there things that you do to keep off, pushing to offset you know, yeah i mean we buy offsets but like offsets are pretty bullshit are <laughs> they know? well mostly i mean <laughs> they make they, not, they make me feel a, a lot better no I, yeah I, yeah I, I, <laughs> for flights and stuff but like it's just this problem of like this is why we need to actually address it because it's like, yeah, offsets to, are not going to make it go away. No, no. Um, and I think that in a way you could argue that they make people feel better. And so they don't engage politically, you know, that right. would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. an argument, but yeah, I'd still do it. And, you know, like I, at home, I have like a, you know, I buy my electricity from like a place that like puts the equivalent green electricity into the grid you know like all that sort of thing mm. um and and you know i try to buy secondhand clothing and you know right live a gentle life but okay, is solar power kind of viable in, in is it is it prevalent in canada no it's really not um but part of that is because our our grid compared to the u.s is so much so much more renewable a, a lot of most of our electricity is is hydro power so we're already not um burning so much uh gas or coal for electricity right luckily but we do burn a lot of gas for vehicles and heating um so that's sort of our i think in canada solar is never going to be as viable as like um you know electric cars and like electrifying things off of the grid that already is fairly right. fairly renewable right i guess it becomes a really a big challenge when you live in a country that is that where the climate well, where it's just colder basically for lack of a better well word. like solar panels still work and I, I i think that the on a like federal level like there should be way more hmm. solar but i just know that in parts of the states i mean you can get solar panels on your house for free and you know get paid from the grid you know like we don't have that yet here Right, right, right. Um, you're working on new material for the forthcoming new new album. What can we expect from Weather Station? Well, you know, I'm touring too much right now to, <laughs> to get much work done. But um, yeah, ideally, uh, I'm hoping to make a record in the fall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You don't like to write songs on tour. I heard you talk about that. Find it oh, it's not that I don't like to. It's just there's never any time, you know, when you have a day off. I mean, it's funny. We had a tour, a day off, like an like I've never up until the two weeks ago had a day off on tour that was like a day off where like we didn't drive anywhere. Like we haven't have drive days, but 
This yeah. was like an actual day off where we didn't drive anywhere. And it was the first day off in the history of the weather station tour. <laughs> right. That's a luxury. So that's why you don't write any songs on tour. <laughs> yeah. Right. You want to take advantage of those days and just, and, yeah. and, and hang back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And we just came out of the winter, so it's, you know, you'll have to wait until November or whenever that starts up there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're, cool. you're, um, so just, uh, upcoming shows there, you got a couple shows in, um, in Canada, one in Toronto, one in Quebec, and then you're off to Europe. Is that true? You're making uh, a weird oh. face. Like I'm getting that wrong. I went, I was on the website. No, I was just like, Oh, I'm not playing in Toronto. What? Um, Oh, I'm playing. Um, yeah, that's like a event to do with the Juno awards, which is like our songwriting Awards. Ah, okay. That's okay. probably. I was just like, we don't have a show in Toronto. Um, yeah, we're oh. playing in Montreal, and then we're playing. I'm doing a tour in Europe, and then um, we're doing Bonnaroo and Austin. Um, yeah, a couple dates around the South. And awesome, then, awesome. Um, and then it's sort of a summer of festivals. Yeah. How much do you love going around Europe and playing shows there? I love touring in Europe. It's yeah. my favorite place to tour for sure. Yeah. What What are your preferred countries? What are your favorite countries? I really love Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful, and I um, I'm a little bit enchanted with it. You know, it's just it's a bit enchanting to me because it looks like Canada. It looks like home, uh-huh. but it's not home, and there's just so much to absorb. Um, yeah. So yeah, really love. Scandinavia in general and um but you know th- the UK has always been the kindest to us they've been extremely supportive and so the UK is like the best for sh- the shows for sure yeah. right um is that because you, you sort of your music has been more prevalent there or like fans sort of relate or what do, why do you think that is I don't know but from the you know from the first time I managed to make it over there touring mm-hmm that was always the place that seemed to just understand what I was doing and was interested in. And right. the UK has kind of been the best place for us for most of my touring life. Yeah. 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 Cool. Which is great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. I wish you the best of luck out there on the road and your, this, this latest album is, is, is just amazing. And I, I, I really love it. And of course, ignorance is like massive and Aww, really great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for doing all this, Tamara. Thanks for being yeah, here. No and thank you for just being kind of the creative genius that you are. I really, I really, I appreciate you so much. Cool. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks. Okay, that was Tamara Lindemann of The Weather Station. I really love talking to Tamara. I mean, um, we really hit upon a ton of different subjects. I, I, I loved, you know, we started out with songwriting, went into her uh, most recent albums and into touring, uh, really te- checked off a ton of boxes with this one. Um, and, uh, you know, she's just so intentional in everything that she talks about. It was really, I really, I really enjoyed chatting with her. Um, on the lyrical front, um, she even does mentorship, uh, mentorship in songwriting. And, uh, you know, we talked about 
um, how she structures songs and takes larger concepts and boils those down to the smaller level that's that's necessary within the structure of a song and how I enjoyed how she talked about how you have to find your way into a song kind of an entry point and uh, cited the robber on um, I think it's the opening track on ignorance uh, in particular and how once she um, came up with that first line I never believed in the robber it sort of just took off from there to go to sort of the larger um, uh, larger picture as well and um, uh, also took to, talked about how she uh, pursued music to get away from acting. Um, and uh, it was really interesting to note that, uh, you know, undertaking acting at such a young age gave her the financial freedom to kind of do what she wanted eventually. And, uh, and that's a really, really big factor in being able to uh, launch off into a musical music career for her uh talking about touring it was really interesting she talked about every tour uh there's kind of a new battle first it's sort of sleep and then that leads into tour routings that need to be kind of more logical and fair to take sleep into account because it's a, such a important thing for her and eating well and not the first time i've heard an artist talk about wanting to go to whole foods and uh and how important those are across the country and i talked to Tar carl denson as well about that um and how touring is a battle on so many different fronts eating sleeping exercise exercise, morale, uh, mental health, and not all those battles are, are always won. Um, and uh, it's kind of like just a moving puzzle all the time. It was interesting to talk to her about it. But uh, she's such an incredibly literary person and um <clears throat> and the way that she speaks almost is so poetic and just recalls a lot of the logical but beautiful structures of her song of her songs um such an amazing artist and uh, musician and poet and actor as well really enjoyed talking to tamra uh, i want to thank everyone for being along for this ride and uh we have a lot of great episodes and guests coming up in the in the next weeks and months to come. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform as well. This that, that really helps out the show. Thanks again for being here for this one. And I want to send a special thank you to Tamara Lindemann of The Weather Station for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>